Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show I hasn't seen a cabinet this empty since we did a tour of Goodison Park. On today's part, we're talking transfers with two officially confirmed for City this past week, as well as an imminent departure that might well break our heart. We'll also be taking a good look at women's Euros. Will the Lionesses roar? To discuss all this and more, I'm joined by two Friday favourites. We wouldn't sell for Chelsea for a billion quid. It's Ali and Ben. Hi Ali, you well? I'm okay, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, I've been a, been a bit distracted by the news this week, but uh, <laughs> yes. I'm managing, managing to remember that football is still out there as a kind of anchor with a sanity in the world. It's crazy that like, yesterday and the day before, I thought, you know what, I need to get off Twitter for a couple of hours and get some work done. And then you come back, it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> 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 Never mind a couple of hours, it's like five minutes. Yeah. You can't, if you look away for more than 10 minutes at a time, you come back and it's like, what's happened? Things <laughs> gone now. <laughs> um, ben, you there? You well? Yes, I'm I'm great, thank you. Yeah, as you, as you say, it's been a... A busy week. We're, we are talking about Ronaldo leaving, aren't we? Of course, yes, Obviously, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I believe there's been some kind of things going on in politics, but nothing compares yeah. to football. Yeah, no, Ronaldo has announced his resignation, but he hasn't actually <laughs> gone yet. <laughs> I, I thought he'd resigned last season, but there we go. <laughs> um, okay, let's start by looking at the latest transfer developments. Um, and let's start on a positive footing. Calvin Phillips to City. Ben, a good move for you? Does it make sense for both player and club? Yeah, I think um, I think the guys touched on it the other day, didn't they, in the, the transfer pod talking about him. It seems a very, very smart move. Um, seems a good price um, from what from what I've read. Mm. It seems that the um, we, there was a, this release clause, wasn't there, of 25 million? Um, I think if they went down, but we've obviously negotiated a little bit more than that. I think if, if this uh, release clause wasn't in play, it would be, you know, something around 60 million or something. Um, I think, so from that point of view, 40 million, 45 million, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. I think, I, I don't think he'll just play in DM, to be honest. I think he will, um, he'll play as a, as a bit of an eight. I think maybe right. in, in that role that we've seen Bernardo play, whereby, you know, it's a little bit deeper than a, a regular centre midfield, but um, also helping out Rodri, which I think that's when Rodri plays at his best as well. Um, so I think it's a great deal uh, for the club. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good sign up for him. I'm not sure if either of you watch much of the, the content that City have put out on him, but he looks absolutely made up. He's got a huge smile ear to ear. Yeah. Can't believe his look sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, so I, th- I think it's really good. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, that he might play more advanced than what we imagine, um, certainly in certain games, because he has got that in his locker alley. I mean, we've seen that with England as well. Um, he's... I mean, maybe is is he oversimplified as a defensive midfielder? Well, he he certainly has played in in more advanced positions for for Leeds as well as uh, uh, as well as England. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm anticipating that Manchester City's formations will change quite significantly yes, yeah. over the next year. I mean, possibly over, over the next month. Um, but you know, the, the season ahead and, and for the future. Uh, I don't think we should assume. The, the type of four one two three shape that Pep has mostly used uh, will continue in in the era of Haaland. Um, I'm expecting Pep to rather reinvent the uh, the the positioning of, of players in the football pitch, and so uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if if um, Calvin ends up in a you know, 
you know, some kind of hybrid or, or you know, reinvented midfield position yeah. along with everyone else. I, I assume that Rodri will continue to be the base from anchor at the, uh, at the back of, of whatever formation we've got, but everyone else I think will be fluid. Um, but in general terms, you know, wherever he plays and, and however he is integrated into the squad over, you know, over the weeks and months to come, um, I'm really happy about this one. It, it feels a really good one to me. Uh, I like him as a, a character and a personality. I'm a bit puzzled why at least some of the uh, City fans on, on social medias and forums and whatever else uh, seem a bit down on this one, a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, I think it's a, it's a belting transfer. Uh, I've got a few Leeds fans uh, as friends who worship the guy. They yeah. they love him not only as a footballer but as a personality. And no reason to believe that we won't feel very similarly about him soon. And uh, particularly if we assume that a lot of a lot of players, particularly forward and midfield players, take a long time to settle into a pep team. Uh, the fact that we are bringing him in. It, Presumably a little bit in the shadow of Rodri, I'm absolutely fine with. Uh, he's, he's a purchase for the future. Um, and Pep Guardiola being Pep Guardiola may well somewhat reinvent him as a player. So what we think we've seen, uh, to, to, I should say, Bielsa kind of reinvented him as a player as well. He was, you know, mm. he, he didn't begin under Bielsa as, as a player that he finished as and, and no reason to believe that Pep won't do the same again. Uh, so he's, he's, Technically very gifted. He's got the skills and, and I think the, the, um, the, 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 he's nailed down the technicalities enough that Pep will be able to do with him what Pep wants to do. Uh, but the fact that there's not an urgent need for him to slip into the team because we suddenly find ourselves without a defensive midfielder or without a number eight, uh, does make it feel a lot better. He can, he can ease himself in. Pep can ease him in at his own pace. And, Oof. and, uh, it, it, it just, it, everything about it feels right. Um, I'm much happier with transfers that are made a season or two before they're desperately needed. And I think this is one of those. Um, we'll go on to talk about, you know, the, the rest of, of, of our squad. Uh, but I know that uh, other other 9320 voices, uh, Isan in particular, has talked about his nervousness around the, the number eight positions. Um, you know, if, if Gundogan goes the end of next season, Bernardo theoretically goes at the end of next season or, or whenever, we could find ourselves really quite short. Uh, and the fact that uh, Calvin Phillips is this kind of Somewhere between a six and an eight, a free floating midfielder. I think somebody the other day called him a seven and a half, which feels about right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, th- that kind of position is it, it. It's just it's a really good signing for Manchester City at this time, I think, and I, I couldn't be happier with it. I mean, I, I oofed when you spoke there because um, to say that we, we can ease him in, that very much sounded like a jinx to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rob Sorry, with man. a serious injury <laughs> first game of the season. But yeah, well, um, I, I, and I think as regards I to... Think any... Pep... Go on, mate. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think what we saw with Grealish last year is that I think Pep also does the thing where he, he plays people into the style as well. I yeah. think he, you know, obviously Grealish wasn't fully up to speed, but he played a lot, a lot. Of minutes early on, um, and you could also say the same for Rodri. In that first season, he he didn't have a, a great first season. Obviously, he's grown as a player. I could imagine him doing something with Phillips, basically giving him a lot of minutes early on, just to sort of break him into the team and break him into how they play. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think as regards to any negativity within the City fan base, which I haven't seen a lot of, but it is there kind of beneath the surface, as Ali kind of alluded to. I think we go back to that Sam Allardyce thing, don't we? If he was called Calvino Filippo, then there'll be a lot more enthusiasm about him. Um, as regards to our second signing, uh, Stefan Ortega in goal, I haven't seen a single minute of him in the Bundesliga. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I have seen some highlights packages. Uh, I mean, looks he looks very good and he looks like a great shot stopper. But um, I think you know any any goalkeeper can can put together a brilliant kind of highlight package on YouTube. So we'll wait and see on that one. But it does look encouraging that we've brought in someone who who you know he's he's could be um, obviously he's not going to challenge. Challenge Edison for a number one spot, but a quality backup. The, the, the area I'd like to focus on, I'll start with you, Ben, is how this does signal the end for Zach Stefan. Um, is it unfair? Is it is any of it based on his horrendous performance against Liverpool in the FA Cup? Um, would that be a factor, do you think? Well, I think there's the, the first team, um, you know, he wants to play first team element as well. I think he's, yeah. he's linked with Middlesbrough. There's a Middlesbrough loan that he's linked with, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I actually. I thought he was. I've always thought he's pretty good. I've also thought. I've always thought he was good with his feet as well until that Liverpool match. Yeah. Um, you know when it stuck out. I thought he's he's always looked. You know as composed as obviously levels below Edison, but but not a million miles away. Um, but it's, it's it's the tricky thing with the you know backup goalkeeper is I, I sort of think even if you have a a good backup goalkeeper, they're only going to stay for so long. I mean you can see it with um, Bazuna's obviously gone. Uh, is, it, is it James Trafford who's at yes. Bolton? And I think he's said similar things that basically now he's played first team football, he doesn't want to be a, a backup goalkeeper. Um, so it's always that that balance, I guess, is you, you need someone who's good so they step in, but obviously not too good that they have um, the ambitions to to play or you know stamp their feet if they're if they're not playing. I guess the Ortega uh, is a little bit different in that he's older. I think. I mean, he's not he's not old for a goalkeeper, obviously. I think he's late twenties, isn't he? So that's a little bit different from yeah. you know the likes of Stefan and and, and and Trafford and Bazuna, where they're they're all pretty young, really. So so maybe that's a different model that they're they're looking at is bringing bringing in an older keeper, um, you know, who's who's got the experience. Should they need to step in, but equally, I guess, knows that you know and is content to to not be the number one. Um, I guess there's there's nothing to add there, Ali. Really, I mean, Ben summed it up well. Um. I would say it, it, it is such a thankless task to be the backup at a big club, not just City, but, you know, at Liverpool or Chelsea or whoever, because, you know, you get thrown in randomly once every few months and then you're expected to perform. And if you don't, then for the next few months, you know, the perception of you is that you're unreliable. It, it, it's so, so much pressure. Um, but, yeah, let's turn our attention to, to Raz um, and his imminent move to Chelsea. Um, we'll just briefly touch on this because you know, there's plenty of other pods, like three pods out there where we talk about Sterling. But Ali, just kind of in a general sense, have you been surprised about Sterling going to Chelsea this summer? I've been surprised about Sterling going to Chelsea. I haven't been surprised about Sterling going. Right. Um, my Okay, my feelings, first of all, uh, I remember talking uh, on this pod about a year ago, but less than that, when Sterling gave an interview, I uh, can't remember to, to which uh, outlet, but he basically was hinting about wanting to, to move away, wanting to maybe go to, to Spain, saying that he felt his time was coming to an end at City. And we kind of all got the feeling then 
that he was itching to move away. I've got a strong suspicion that what happened is Pep or Cheeky or somebody sat him down and said, look, let's give it another year, see how you feel a year from now. Um, and Raz just thought, you know, I want minutes. I want to be first choice in uh, whatever team I go to. Um, so I've kind of been, uh, you know, bracing myself, I mean, e- expecting uh, some sort of announcement about Sterling uh, from, you know, for at least a year now, and I'm not remotely surprised we've got it. Having said that, the move to Chelsea doesn't make any sense to no, me, no. either from City's point of view or from Sterling's point of view, or even really from Chelsea's point of view, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't know what's going on at Chelsea at the moment. It seems quite chaotic. Obviously, the... Uh, change in ownership and, and uh, the, the bully, is it, is it pronounced, coming in, yeah. um, who appears to be possibly one of those owners who is determined to stamp his own mark on the cl- on the club, whether the manager likes it or not. Um, obviously, Tuchel hasn't uh, come out and, and said that, and he wouldn't. But I wonder if there's a bit of that going on, that the uh, bully is looking for marquee signings to, to kind of uh, stamp his authority on the club mm. and maybe Sterling pushes buttons in, in that regard. Uh, but if Sterling is wanting to go to a club where he can pretty much guarantee he's going to play 50 games a season, um, then Chelsea is not the one to go to. They, I mean, they, they're they're not short of, of uh, forward players and wingers. Um, there's an awful lot of players that are kind of milling about, looking a little bit unhappy, um, and I don't, I'm, I'm skeptical about what the atmosphere in, in the dressing room is like mm. at Chelsea at the moment. I think it's probably not great. Uh, so it doesn't look to me to be a particularly happy camp in a particularly settled moment. Um, and obviously, you know, with a, a change in ownership of the club, a manager's position is always a bit tenuous. You know, if if Chelsea don't make a good start to the next season, uh, how long will Thomas Tuchel be there? Um, and I don't know if it will be that long. So whatever guarantees or promises Sterling might think he's got from Chelsea, uh, I can't see what they're worth. Um, we all know. I'm. I'm I will. Uh, I will stand up and. Uh, defend Raheem Sterling as a footballer, uh, particularly as a man, as a personality. I um, it hasn't been said enough what a, a, a what an incredible um, human being he has been over his last six years, seven years at uh, Manchester City. Um, the stances he took against racism long before the Black Lives Matter kind of uh, movement was was taking hold of football. Um, he was out there making a difference um and I, i've got a huge affection for him um i think he's never had the respect and um the love that he deserves from from city fans uh and i know that you know uh other voices on on 9320 have made this point probably better than i can um but he's he's been a huge player for us and, and uh i think i don't like this because a likely one probable outcome is that it doesn't go great 
we know that Raz is a streaky player. You know, he, he will have a run of 12 games where he's absolutely unplayable. He's a, he's a, a world beater. And then a run of another 12 games where, you know, he, he, has, a, he has a breakdown in the, um, in the Kaiser Spanjo interface. Um, and the first time that Raz is through one on one with a goalkeeper and fluffs it like a, puppy with a beach ball the way he does the Chelsea player the Chelsea fans are going to be on his back they're going to start yelling at him I'm going to want to defend right <laughs> if it goes badly I will hit it I will I will I will feel really bad for Raz and I will uh, I, I will be really unhappy about the situation but on the other hand if it goes really well and he ends up you know you know, uh, performing at, at levels above where where he has been um, and really does elevate Chelsea to being genuine contenders. Then I'm going to hate that as well. So I can't really, I can't see any way that this plays out in a way that I actually enjoy watching him for Chelsea. I would have liked him to go to, barring back to Liverpool um, or possibly overthrow to Old Trafford. There's very few transfers or moves I would have liked less for Raheem. So I'm not, I'm not happy about it. But having said all of that, I'm I'm enormously grateful to everything for everything that he's done for our club, for the years of service, uh, for everything he's done as a as a you know, human being and a campaigner, um, and you know, on a, a very personal level, I I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but it doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel right. No, well, Ben, I want to kind of come to you for the kind of opposite version of that because you know there must be positives out there, otherwise it simply wouldn't be happening. So. What are those positives? Because Ali's kind of laid out there so much of the, my confusion. Um, <laughs> but but are there positives? Are what what are reasons behind City selling him? What do you think um, appeals to Chelsea for for Raz? Um, I would say you know I, I I get why Chelsea want him. I don't think we need him by any stretch because, like Ali said, this we've got an abundance of wingers already. Um, some of which you'd expect to actually really take a step up this season and, and go to the next level after kind of flattering to deceive until this point. Um, so from the players' perspective, from City's perspective, what, what are the positives to this move? I think just to just to echo one of Ali's points, I think that the way that I, I sort of feel about Sterling is, is, you know, it's one of those where it's okay for us to criticise him, but, but, you know, you wouldn't feel easy about other people yes, criticising him. Um, <laughs> and a, like a brother, like someone, a, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like your family, basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I can call him a dick, but I don't want you to. <laughs> yes. um, I think also, obviously, he's got a lot of stock with us, hasn't he? To be fair, over his six years, you know, we've seen what he can do in the past, and you you know, you, you do worry that, you know, other maybe the Chelsea fans wouldn't have as much patience for him. Um, I, I think with regards to the, the positives for City is, I think I think he's been great for us, uh, Raz, but I think the last couple of years, those purple patches have been, you know, more infrequent. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's so many times, again, over the last couple of years, particularly where he has been more frustrating than he has been great. Um, so I can see it from, from that, from City's point of view. Um, I do worry again, like other people have said on this podcast that, you know, we worry in numbers in terms of, you know, that, um, that, that right wing, I guess, really, in regards to we're just going to have Mares and, and Cole Palmer, it does feel a little bit light on that without Sterling. Um, but yeah, so in terms of positives, as I say, I think from from City's point of view, um, he hasn't been at his best in the last couple of years, so that sort of makes sense. You also sense that there is something underlying in there with Pep, 
Uh, there's been a, you know noises hasn't there that he, he was it not this season but the season before he he fell out with Pep when he wasn't in the the team and then he was dropped for a couple of weeks so maybe there's something underlying there as well. Um, yeah. With, with regards to with, to Chelsea, I think you know they're getting a, a proven uh, Premiership player, aren't they? And I think with the likes of um, you know I think again Havertz has been has been good and they've had a couple of players which have been good in patches, but they probably haven't. They still haven't got anybody in that that front three or, or front two. Uh, and obviously with Lukaku going out on loan anyway and not being great last season, but they've got nobody in that front line of the I would say is established, you know, and a guaranteed performer. So I can see that point of view. I, I think he would be a guaranteed starter for them. Uh and I think from from Sterling's point of view, like of course most of most of these players, I'm sure he would back himself to do that. Um, and he would back himself to to be their main man, really, especially with Lukaku going. Um, I think he'll he'll be there and, and say to himself, right, I'm going to be the main striker for Chelsea. Um, you know, move back to London for himself personally. Yeah, that's um, a big factor. So you can see the pluses. Yeah. And 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 I imagine as much as we we absolutely adore Pep, obviously, I'm surely I think some of these players it might be a little bit of a weight of their off their shoulders to you know to to get away with him and not think, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna need him talking to my ear twenty four seven about what I'm doing wrong and <laughs> and stuff like that too. Yeah, I think it'll be out of the frying pan into the fire there when it comes to Tuchel. It's <laughs> go from one obsessive yeah. to another, but I, I absolutely get that point. Um, okay, well let's. Just briefly touch on Nathan Ake. Um, it, apparently, they're in advanced talks. This one is a real surprise. I can only assume, Ali, that City have a backup in mind. They've got, basically, a centre-back who they feel they can go out and get quickly should they move Ake on. But still, it, it, this is a surprise um, also, as, as much as Raz, really. I'm really, uh, again, confused and, and quite unhappy about this one. Um First of all, I, I think uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching Ake, particularly this season. Um, he he had a few injury problems, um, but that job he's done of coming in when he's been needed and not only like delivering as a, as a defender at really quite high level, but just popping up, has got a really important goals. Yeah, um, and just as being a being a really positive. Uh, energy around the team. He, he, I, I really like him, and, and he, he. We seem to have done the hard work of getting turning yes, him properly into a city player. Yeah. Um, and why we would go back and, and have to start again with another? I mean, yes, I don't know. Maybe Pep has got someone eyed up at Benfica or Sporting Lisbon or whatever um, who's going to come in, and the way that you know both Laporte and Ruben Diaz came in and hit the ground running and looked like. You know, world class centre halves and uh, in a city team almost immediately. Maybe he's got another player who he thinks can do that again. Um, but I, I don't know who that is, and I really hope that they know what they're doing um, because, I mean, last season showed just how important it is to have a truly, um, you know, world class backup. Uh, at centre half, because you know we lost Diaz for half a season, um, and you know Stones and Laporte have both had injury problems in the past, uh, and uh, Ake has also got you know he's able to to fill in at left back as well, which we you know, we still don't know if we solved the the you know 
left back problem. Um, Zinchenko might be in the way out. Uh, Kukurea might be in the way in, which obviously changes the equation slightly. Um, so I, all I can say about this is it doesn't make any sense to me, but I really hope that Pep and Cheeky know what they're doing here. Uh, and I trust that they do. Uh, but right now I'm, I'm a wee bit worried. I can't lie to you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it before when we were supposedly spent all summer chasing Maguire. It turned out that not, that wasn't the case. But still, yeah. we went into that season very light indeed. Uh, and we, we can't afford to make that mistake again. Um, you know, make a mistake once by all means. But to replicate it, that would be amateurism. And City, anything but amateur in this regard, you would think. Um, okay, Ben, let's just kind of look at beyond the Etihad to some of the bigger transfers Um this season, I mean, Richarlison to Spurs stands out for me only because it's so it's such a divisive player that you could split it down the middle as regards to how this transfer has been kind of received. What, what's your personal take on on the player? Do you think, firstly, do you think it's a good signing for Spurs? And secondly, do you think he's a good player? I, it, it's an odd one with Richarlison. My um, one of my colleagues is a, is a big Everton fan, and I was, I was talking to him about this the other day. And, Generally, he was pleased to get the the sixty million. I think they were desperate for it, and yeah. they need it for FFP uh, reasons. But, but yeah, he he was glad of the sixty million. Basically, um, I, I have always used Richarlison as I think he's a, he's a good player. I think I think he's a pain in the arse. I think he um, you know he, he mixes it. He you know he he throws himself to the ground a little bit, doesn't he? Um, but I, I think when we play against him or something, I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I fear, for example, that he's going to score, you know, no. such as I would, you know, if we were playing against like a Vardy or a Ollie Watkins or a Son or something like that. I see him more as, um, you know, somebody who just mixes it really. Um, I'm not sure about his best position. Again, talk, talking to my mate, he he seems to think he's he's better down the wing. Um, I must admit, most of the time I've seen him, he has been uh, down the middle. Um, and again, just... Just is it is in there cause it causing problems really? Sixty million. I mean, is that the going rate for that sort of player? I'm not sure. It sounds sounds a bit a little bit excessive. Um, but if if I'm sure if Spurs are going to Everton saying you know we want to take your your number number one choice striker or you know one of your your starting players, I can understand why they ask for that sort of money. Um, I guess Spurs are also sort of I think a lot of their signings this summer. Bolstering their squad a little bit, getting them a little bit more depth. Depth. I'm sh- I saw. Um, is it Burvine is, is gone this morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so, so it's an it's another body, but surely he's not going to oust Son or Kane. So he, you know, he either will be on that right wing or or he'll be playing his playing his time on the bench. I guess. Yeah, there's been talk that Richardson would absolutely not go there to sit on the bench and that, you know, although he wouldn't be have been promised um, game time under Conte, he would have been promised at least that, you know, he will be a, a big part of their kind of offensive kind of options going forward. So th- there is a likelihood it could be Son, Kane and Richardson um, for certain games for that to happen. Um because obviously, you just unless you're resting either player, you're not going to drop Son or, or, or Kane. I, I don't know on this one. I don't know. Um, can can I come in? Of course you can, yeah. I, I've just got a feeling that uh, Antonio Conte is looking at, well, particularly the season ahead with the World Cup in the middle of it, but just generally the way football is at the moment. And I don't think it's possible to compete at the very top tier of the Premier League, um, particularly in, you know, in Europe, any kind of Europe, European football as well, um, and only have two 
frontline first choice strikers or, or forward players. Um, his his other forwards, Lucas Moura and you know, various others around, are just not quite at the same level. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think when you look um, when you look at City, when you look at Liverpool, um, when you look at Chelsea, you can see that one forward player can get injured and someone else can slip in with no dropping quality, or you rest a player and you know, drop another one in with no dropping quality. Um, and I think you have to be able to do that to compete at the top level of, of Premier League football now. Um, and that's an area where Spurs have been a bit thin um, in, in, until now. And that might be the, the problem that... Um, that Conte is trying to solve with Richarlison. And it does kind of make sense to me. I also think what Ben just said about him being a bit of a shithouse, like rolling around and making a fuss and, and just generally being a bit of a pain in the arse, uh, that sounds like a Conte player to me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they, they will sync up beautifully. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I interviewed a player this week, or a former player, who said, you know, oh, Conte won't stand for that. And I thought, what? It's completely the opposite. <laughs> you can imagine Richarlison rolling on the ground because a, a straight bootlace has tickled his shin. <laughs> <laughs> Conte will be like, yes, yeah, stay down more, son, stay down more. Um, okay, what about a transfer that hasn't happened yet because there's no actual clubs um, being directly linked to him, but certainly Ronaldo looks like he's off. Um, ben, I, I, as a City fan, I find this hilarious. Of course I do. <laughs> but I also find his behaviour just downright disrespectful and distasteful, particularly the timing of this. It's not news to him that United are in the Champions League this season. Um, he would have known this on the final day of the season. What's your take on it? Do you, do you think... Uh, how would you... Oh, sorry to put this to you, Ben, and sorry to work... There's no, mm. there's no easy way to word this, but just how would you feel if you were a United fan? <laughs> God forbid. It, it's, strange. it's strange, isn't it? Because... I, I do, unfortunately, I do have a few friends that are United fans. Yeah, but, yeah, um, so, yeah. Th- th- they uh, they adore him, don't they? Um, they, you know, they. Uh, do, do they still adore him uh, this week, though, or, or is that kind of been tainted? Maybe, m- m- maybe not. I'm I'm not so sure. I mean, they they adored him when he when he left them, didn't they? Yeah, and, you know, yeah, they, 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 were, they were still singing his praises after 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 he left them, and you know, obviously loved loved him coming back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the the whole thing is just the the Ronaldo show, isn't it? Really, as far as he is, he's just um, you know completely self obsessed. I'm not sure if you remember the the Instagram post he put. Uh, um, I can't remember if it was, was it last New Year, the New Year before, and he was he was basically saying how a wonderful year it had been, despite uh, obviously, COVID, well, it must have been this year, but yeah, despite COVID and and of course United being absolutely shite from a personal <laughs> level, he did great. Um, so and I think that sort of thing sums him up. It, it's, I guess it is it is distasteful, um, but it's not none of it's a shock. I don't think as well. I wonder as well. It crossed crossed my mind, um, and that maybe this is blowing too much smoke up his ass. But I wonder if you know some of this um, has come from from Van Targ Van Hag, Sorry, in terms of you know if he wants um, the likes of Pogba and Ronaldo out in the same summer. Mm. Um, you know, I wonder if he's, you know, basically made noises to Ronaldo that, you, you know, you're not going to be the main man anymore. Um, you're going to have to work as hard as every every other player. And Ronaldo's basically just said, yeah, I'm not up for that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't do I'm that. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up front. I'm going to walk from one corner of the penalty area to the other um, and, and and to score, score the goals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I say, none of it's surprising. Um, he's He's that type of person isn't he I think yeah. um, and we've, we've you know we've seen 
at United and at Juve before. You know, he he may score the goals, um, but I think both both teams suffered really with him with him there. I know Juve. I think he scored he scored the most goals at Juve, but they scored less than they'd scored for years with him up top, and they didn't do didn't do so well that season. So, yeah. So so none of it's uh, a surprise from him, but. Uh, as you say, it's 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 quite amusing to watch from afar. It is, and we can certainly say for you know for certain that he's not going to be joining an MLS club this season. And that aside, it's kind of you know unknown as to what the future holds. But he just seems destined to leave. He hasn't gone on their their tour. Um, Ali, how, how have you viewed it? I mean, for, for me personally, I I think this is actually a blessing in disguise for United. Get rid of him. He's a soap opera. It's a fresh chapter in, in the club. Um, you know, it's a manager who basically whose ethics do not ally with kind of align with Ronaldo whatsoever. So he would be a, a hindrance should he stay, and they're better off without him. But do do you feel the same way? Oh, it's really hard to say what I think is best for United. A <laughs> <laughs> bit like watching the Tory Party implode. It's really <laughs> yeah. I felt bad for asking Ben honestly because um, yeah, imagine you United fan. What kind of questions that? Um, <laughs> No, I mean, first of all, uh, it, it, as uh, as you guys have said, no one should be surprised. Uh, um, Ronaldo appears to be bigger than his club. This is a uh, yeah. This is that's absolutely on brand for him. Um, and I think uh, it was overall uh, a, a mistake for United to, to bring him back in the first place. Um, and overall, it would probably be a good thing. For their point of view, to let him go again now, particularly if he's not happy. I mean, if, um, you, I mean, they certainly Ronaldo being Ronaldo, you cannot keep him against his will, and and uh, and hope that that will end up well, and and he'll perform for you. Yeah. Uh, so what you know, Ronaldo will do whatever Ronaldo wants to do. But I think the really interesting thing is the context of what else is happening at United at the same time. Um, I, I had because I knew I was coming on this pod to talk about this topic today. Um, I spent I spent a bit of time last night looking at the uh, confirmed transfers in and out in the Premier League mm-hmm. website, um, and looking at United, they have done the first part of what they need to do, which is stripping out a whole load of their deadwood. Not all their deadwood. I mean, like, Phil Jones is still there, yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'll repeat myself there. (laughs) Everyone, guys, Phil Jones is still there. (laughs) Let's just consider that for a moment. And then having moved past that, um, they have let go um, Cavani, Mata, Nemanja Matic, uh, Jesse Lingard, uh, uh, one or two other kind of frontline. Pereira's gone this week, yeah. Pereira, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then a a whole host of, of kind of. Uh, B string and, and youth players have all gone as well. There's like there's something like twelve outgoings. Um, they've brought in one kid from uh, a, a young lad from Holland. I, mm. I think a left back, uh, yeah. a defender, Full something. Back, like, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Any, I'll confess, I know nothing about whatsoever. Um, now that seems like the kind of signing that uh, United should be making. Not notwithstanding the fact that I don't know anything about the lad, um, yeah, a, a talented young kid who's on the fringe of the Dutch international team sounds exactly the kind of signing that uh, Ten Hag should be making to me. Um, but suppose for a minute, um, and I know we're going to we'll talk about Ericsson in a moment as well, but suppose for a minute that Ronaldo goes as well 
um, and they basically lose this in you know, half a team, more than half a team of senior players. Um, who do they get in in place? Have you know, we were worrying about letting Ake go and you know the, our, our basically third choice centre back. Um, or fourth choice centre back, uh, and then being worried about having a replacement to come in. Where is United at at the moment? If I was a United fan, like go back to your question to Ben earlier, if I was a United fan, I would be incredibly nervous at the moment because they look like they could end up with almost without a team. Um, where are these? Where are these incoming signings coming from? Who wants to go and play for United? Where are the top tier? Um, yeah, I, either. Uh, players who are at the top of the game now, or the the upcoming talent who you know, are are heading for the very top, um, you know, Champions League quality players. Where are they going to sign them all from? Where are they going to get like half a dozen or more Champions League quality uh, footballers from? I really don't know. Um, so it's a fascinating situation, and I think to answer your question, finally, um, Ronaldo going on its own terms um, is. Almost certainly the right thing in you know, in in the long term for United, um, but you, but Ronaldo and Cavani and Mata and Matic and Lingard all going at the same time, and then not having other players to come in to replace them is a huge problem for them. And uh, what can I say other than like, if it all goes horribly wrong, it will be fully hilarious. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think as well that they. Sorry, they. I, I don't yeah. think. I, I think there's. The, people saying, you know, this is a transition series. And I, I don't think there's such a thing at United. I think people might say, you know, let's see how he does this year and stuff. I, I think you can guarantee if they're not in the Champions League spots towards the end of the season, uh, I think Ten Hag will be, will be under pressure. Uh, I think, so So I think they, they do need to, to still be there or thereabouts. I don't think they, they're going to, you know, let United finish out of, the, out of the top four or, you know, maybe even the top six for a couple of years and just let that go. I, I think he'll he'll definitely be be under pressure, you know, even even maybe before that, maybe after Christmas if they're, you know, knocking around seventh or eighth or something, you could certainly see that happening. You know what, what kind of gets me about United is the the fans are willing for that to happen. The fans are, or certainly every United fan I know is perfectly happy to just have a period of transition and be like, okay, if we have to finish eighth, if we have to play the kids this season, let's just play the kids. And as you said, Ali, get rid of a deadwood and then just kind of take our time to get the right recruitment and the right people in place. And, and they're more than happy to have a couple of years at the wilderness. We've had maybe a decade in the wilderness already. So, it's the club. It's the club that has absolutely zero patience or tolerance for, for that. They want instant success. And, you know, it's kind of damning on um, supporters and, and the kind of that's how we're perceived. Whereas in, in reality, it's actually the club. Yeah, I don't know if that was the question, but I'm. I'm... <laughs> it wasn't the question. I was, I was sitting back thinking, yeah, I, 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 no, I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I think I, you, I'm you, not so sure as well. Oh, really? I, I think some of the fans, yeah, I, I think again, it doesn't take much to, to get them giddy. I, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's been true, a yeah. few bits and bobs, hasn't there, the last couple of weeks of um, some of the reporters saying, you know, he, he gets them in early for training and they're, they're serious <laughs> and you can see he's an intense I'm character. I, 
I don't think it takes much for them to get carried away either. I've got to say, I have loved that. It's been a highlight of my week when these kind of leaks of, you know, how he's really sorting things out behind the scenes. And and all he's doing is basically just insisting on what every Premier League manager (laughs) insists upon. It's amazing. Um, Okay, well, we're kind of running out of time, so we don't really have time to touch on um, too much of a kind of who's winning the transfer window or not. But you said you, you looked into it last night, Ali. Kind of one-word answers from the two of you, and I'll go myself. I will say Tottenham are doing really well in this transfer window, um, and the two players who are incoming in the next couple of weeks will really make it a good window. Um, I would say Liverpool have done well, alas, and possibly Arsenal too. Um, Ali, who would you say has done well so far in this transfer window? There's a really obvious one you haven't mentioned, Manchester City. Perfect, perfect. Um, <laughs> Not, notwithstanding, I mean, like the issues around uh, Raheem Sterling uh, and potentially you know, Aki going, would you know if, if Aki goes and we don't have a really good replacement coming in like immediately, um, then that would change the equation yes. very slightly. But even so, um, the, the, <laughs> we have brought in Erling Haaland. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> even mentioned it, like, uh, and I think w- when we look around at the some of the panic that's going on. Around the other Premier League teams, an awful lot, and, and not so much the teams, but the journalists, the the the, the journalists and commentators who who uh, either cover or uh, covertly support um, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, <laughs> Arsenal, Spurs, whoever it might be. One of the reasons they've all been so hysterical this summer is because we have signed Erling Haaland. Uh, and that is that is the one that overshadows all others. Um, but even beyond him. Um, Hopefully Alvarez will will you know come through and, and be everything we hope he, he might be. Um, and Calvin Phillips, we talk about being is, is a is a great signing as well. Kukurea would be the icing on the cake. And yeah, we still need, need yes. We yeah. badly need a left back. We need yeah. another fullback. Um, so I'm really hoping that the Kukurea one comes through. Uh, and I'll learn to pronounce it, pronounce his name properly as well, which would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, you know, Manchester City have have, have stormed this uh, transfer window, um, and we shouldn't take our eyes off that. Um, ben, who do you think is kind of winning, oh, I hate the phrase, but winning the transfer window right now? Yeah, I I, I was going to say City as well. Uh, echo what Ali says. You know, I think anybody signing Haaland, surely that, that wins yeah. the transfer window, doesn't it? Um, I think Newcastle uh, have got a couple of decent signings. In the, um, is it Sven Botman and, and Pope in goal as well? Yes. So a couple of like solid, solid, you know, good, good signings. I think they're, you know, how will just incrementally uh, increase them as they go. Um, but yeah, I th- I, as I said, I, I think I think City have uh, are winning it so far. Well, I think Newcastle, Newcastle have done a really clever thing. I think the, the last round, I mean, the, the um, January transfer window as well. I think they handled it really well. Um, but they're not going for the the big name marquee signings and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the the showbiz signings. They are building a good football team at, at a, a sensible pace, and I think um, Eddie Howe's done a really good job. And it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. And this this year, I think they're they're um, they're making a much better job of becoming a, a super club than I was expecting them to be. To be perfectly honest, I completely agree with that. And, and I think uh, at the heart of that is the ownership of listening to the right people, listening to the yeah. coaches, listening to the recruitment staff. Um, and, and that bodes very, very well for Newcastle. Um, okay, let's end on the women's Euros. Um, ben, have you watched um, any of the games so far? Will you watch many of the games? I caught a bit of the um, of the, the England game um, the, the other night. It, it was a, a little bit of trap. 
Um, but but yeah, I mean, I must admit, I'm probably. I, I used to be um, in terms of the, the men's side of it. I used to go to a few England games, home mm. home and away. But I sort of lost interest in that. And I must admit, I'm I am a bit of a fair weather uh, international sports fan, I guess. Yeah. And I, I normally get involved in the tournaments. Um, I don't really pay much attention um, to the qualifying. So so I'll certainly watch them. I, I got quite invested. Um, I think it was the World Cup in in 2019. Um, I thought it was it was really good to watch then, and if you remember, not so long afterwards, um, I took my two boys to the City United derby at the at the Etihad yeah. for the ladies, uh, and that that was good. I mean, it, it was it was different from from men's football. I think all all the fans were were mixed, which was a bit of a strange uh, experience being close to to United fans. Um, but you know, it was it was a it was a pretty good standard and stuff, and I was, I was quite surprised. So yeah, I think I'll I'll watch the. The next couple of games, I think they've got um, they've got Norway, haven't they, and Northern Ireland. I'm not again. I'm not too sure on the quality of those those two teams. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll certainly watch it, and then probably similar to the men's side, probably get more invested should they progress. Well, that's kind of an interesting point, and and you know, it's no judgment on you because I I think I'm the same. I think pretty much three quarters of a nation's the same here. But I see this every couple of years where there's so much kind of emphasis on England doing well in tournaments and the kind of follow on from that is that they need to do well in order to kind of further promote the sport. Ali, would you say that's fair? Would you say it's kind of, do you you think women's football now can stand on its own two feet in this country enough where England can go out in the group stage? Not that they're going to, uh, but they could and no harm would be done. I think the progress that the women's game has made over the last 20 years or so is, is phenomenal. And yeah, you're probably right that, you know, the game in England doesn't need the England national team to reach final or, or win the Euros in order to continue growing. Um, I think the WSL is, is in a, a really good, healthy state, bringing in best players from around the world. Um, and you know, the, the, audiences and the gates keep going up and up and up uh so uh, you know good luck to them is it, it's going really well um having said that i mean I'd, um to to address the, the the bigger point of of watching the watching the tournament um it's come at a really good time for me i think i suspect a lot of football fans will feel quite similar because i remember yeah. at, at end of june uh, toward, uh, at the end of that international hangover that we had with the Nations League and the men's game, um, by the time it got to the end of those internationals, I felt like you know when you, when you go for a curry and you've, <laughs> you've had you've had one you know one buna too many and and you just think if I ever see another chapati as long as I live I will <laughs> I will explode uh, and then you you go home and sleep it off and you wake up next morning and you say oh quite peckish now. Uh, I'm, I'm just about that stage in my, my football watching banquet. Yeah. Um, I was absolutely stuffed uh, by the beginning of July. And just over the last week or so, I was beginning to miss it. I was just, oh, I could really do sitting down and watching a football match now. And I really, you know, um, counting down the days for the, uh, the preseason friendlies to, to kick in and all the rest of it. So uh, the Women's Euros sneaked up on me a little bit. I didn't, I didn't really give it much anticipation and, and thought ahead uh, but when it got to Wednesday night and the, the England game um, 
Yeah, it, I think the fact that it was eight o'clock on a Wednesday night, I sat down, I, I made myself a curry and sat down in my in my man cave with a curry and a beer and a football match at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. And I thought, yes, I'd come home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is me. This is me in my happy place. Uh, so I, and, and I really enjoyed it. it. It was a bit of a drab game, as one of you, one of you said, but um, I really enjoyed it, it as a, as a, uh, just having, having, a, having a game to watch. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the tournament. I think the timing of it is really good, just coming at the end of July when there's not much else on. Um, and uh, I, I constantly, I, I feel constant shame at my low levels of knowledge and, and awareness well, uh, of what's going on in the women's game. I don't um, think there's any obligation to, to come. Well, in. no, there shouldn't be. I'm, my excuse is that there's only so many hours in the week. And yeah, well, <laughs> quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how many sports and how many different, uh, different flavors of the same sport can I follow? Um, but no, they had kind of refreshing myself with who the, who the stars are in the, in the women's game at the moment. And, uh, and, it, it doesn't matter uh, what level of football you're accustomed to watching. Um, there are players. You know, I watched a couple of runs from Georgia Stanway on Wednesday night, um, and yeah, it I was like just it. a joy. It, it's proper box office football. Um, and last night, I, I, I watched the uh, watched Norway Northern Ireland game as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it actually turned into like, a really decent game in the second half. Uh, I I don't know if anyone uh, heard it. There was a fantastic bit of post match analysis from Kenny Shoes, yes. Northern, Northern <laughs> Ireland amazing. manager, afterwards, who said, "Like, well, if you, I would do his accent." He said, "If, if you, if you, if you look at the uh, the last hour and you forget about the penalty that we conceded, then we actually won the game <laughs> after losing four one. After losing four one, it's just absolutely amazing bit of manager post match analysis, but uh, to." <laughs> to answer Ben's question, um, Norway look a really good team. Um, I think Heg- Heger- Hegerland, is she called? Hegerberg. She's the original Ballon d'Or winner. Um, and then yeah. she retired from international football for five years because she thought the game was being disrespected in her country. And <laughs> That's she, the one. One hell of a backstory. It's, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, Norway are going to progress out of the group. So are England. Um, yeah. Basically, last week, uh, an editor got in touch with me and said, would you like to cover the women's Euros exclusively for us, and I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> because <laughs> uh, my knowledge of the game is not great. So I've basically spent every waking hour since um, watching games and kind of researching and all the rest of it. And yeah, uh, no way we'll we'll certainly get to the quarters, possibly semis. No way will he win. I don't think um, France won't win. They'll implode. Um, but for me, it's between Spain and England. But now Spain have lost. I can't remember a name now. The, the best player in the world. Um, so. Yeah, England have got a great chance, you know, of going all the way. Um, just, just to end on, Ben, when you said there about the kind of mixed crowd at the derby, not that yeah. this would ever happen in a, in a million trillion years, but should that ever translate to men's football, the same atmosphere, the same kind of lack of any tribalism, would you embrace that? Would you be happy? Would you prefer that? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I think, uh, think that, you know, the... The, the tribalism is is a huge part of, of it. And yeah, I, yeah. Know, a big part of the, of the of the jeopardy, isn't it? Is it's not just thinking, you know, I'm taking joy in my team's, you know, winning. It's you know, God, what happens if we lose? I'm going to have so and so saying to me, or, or stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it did. As I said, it, it felt more. Um, I don't know, more of like a 
a bit of an entertainment or you know sometimes if you if you go and like if you watch like american sports or you know basketball or that sort of thing it, it felt a little bit more more like that really um but as i said it was still it was still great i think on that day um Caroline Weir scored a great goal. Literally, I was almost surprised myself to be honest. I literally jumped up out of my seat because it was such a good goal. Yeah, I remember um, that. And it was it was great. It, it was also um, it's also good that you know I guess my my two sons they sort of growing up with you know no sort of negativity to, to, towards women's football. And for them, it's the total norm that there's a team. Um, you, you know, and I think City do a really good job of that, don't they? This whole one city stuff is that you know. My son goes along to, to matches with me, and he's, you know, obviously not as clued in as he is with the the, the, the men's stuff. But he certainly knows stuff about the, the women's, and you know, the, whether it's like Steph Houghton's the captain, or you know, all this sort of stuff. He's he's totally aware of it, and it's you know, again, if, if a match is on, they'll um, they'll, they'll watch it as well, and it feels you know very, you know, I was going to say normal. It's probably the wrong word, but you know, whereas when we were growing up to see a women's game, it would always be looked at. Well, you know, it's, it's not the same standard. It's not the same yeah. thing, sort of thing. So I do think it's it's great that you know they've, they they obviously do that and push that from a marketing point of view, both both city and just, you know just just generally. And, and it used to make sort of see, it used to make me laugh when I was growing up that I would hear these jibes about women's football and women's footballers, um, and I would hear it from the guys that I had been standing watching <laughs> St Johnston v Cowden beef in the Scottish Second Division, and they're like, "Oh, I don't watch women's football; it's not a very good standard." Oh, come on, guys! You know? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, so I mean, maybe it wasn't a that standard back then, anyway, because of course it was a largely part time back then, and you know, well, I mean, it's it, a professional it, game now. So, that, yeah. See, also. St. Johnson be kind of me. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I think that one of the beauty of football, one of the beauties of football, or even most sports, but you know, particularly football, is you can have a really enjoyable competitive game at almost any level. Um, if you've got two evenly matched teams that are, are going for it and trying to win, um, you know, it, you know, even if they don't have all the, you know, all the skills of a Kevin De Bruyne or a, a Jack Grealish or whatever, um, if, uh, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, but a, a perfect example, um, in the Northern Ireland v Norway last night, my favourite player, despite what was said about you know, um, Hansen and Hegerberg um, and, and those Norwegian forwards who were incredibly skillful, you know, highly, highly trained, highly polished athletes, um, by far my favourite player was uh, the... Northern Ireland defender called McKee, I think McKee, uh, who's this little little squat, li- you know, little squat strong woman who's like kind of very low center of gravity. It's, it's almost difficult to talk about the physicality of women's pl- without sounding like I'm objectifying them. Um, but she was she was like a, a little square defender, um, <laughs> and she just she hurled herself in front of so many challenges, and she was the reason it was four one and not eight one. Yes, um, and you know she. Yeah, of course. If, if you put her against any quality of, of professional men's games, she she would not even begin to compete. But in a women's match, she was an absolute joy to watch. You can see the energy and the passion and the sheer determination to to keep a ball out of her goal at all costs. Uh, and I don't care what level of football you're watching, that is always a pleasure. As as was watching them celebrate that, that scoring last night. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, goal yeah, yeah. was was yeah. was lovely to see. Um, Guys, time has defeated us, but thank you so much for that. I've really enjoyed it. Um, ben, thank you very much, mate. No problem, Steve. Enjoyed it. Ali, thanks a lot. 
Loved it as always. Cheers, mate. And thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to imagine the chaos Britain would be enduring right now had Ed Miliband been elected in 2015. <laughs> Makes you shudder just thinking about it. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, everyone, and forever down with the Tory scum. <laughs>